Hello, everybody. Welcome. Today, we are talking about letting go of shame about our past. It is, um, well, something that can be totally crippling, carrying around shame and self-loathing about our past. And shame, of course, is something that thrives in secrecy. It thrives in the silence um, of isolation and hiding. So talking about it openly today feels like a good idea, feels like a good thing. And I want to just share a few things that have helped me in my process kind of pulling apart and um, taking off the, the weight of excessive toxic shame. And uh, I'm going to use uh, a personal experience as an entry point into that. And this experience uh, is uh, over a decade ago. It relates to a book that I wrote. I wrote this book over a decade ago. It was published about a decade ago. And almost immediately after writing that book, I ended up having an enormous change in my beliefs in my philosophy, in my self-awareness, um, in my emotional awareness. A lot changed for me immediately after that book was published, and it just started to change more and more over the following several years. And that book was written, well, it, it was a book of ideas, and I wrote it in my mid-twenties, and it came from a voice of pretty uninhibited confidence, some hubris or arrogance. There's definitely some self-righteousness in there, and there was definitely some ideas um, expressed with a lot of conviction. And because I had this giant sea change in my ideas and my feelings and my self-awareness, immediately afterwards, um, I carried a lot of shame around that book for a number of years. I mean, I, I just carried I won't even give it a time frame because there's still I'm still in process with it. Um, I've made some significant strides in that process because initially, you know, probably a few years after it was published, um, you know, I had all these changes and I just felt so much shame, self-loathing judgment around this work that I had created that was out in the world and it was a representation of me, but it didn't feel like, it's like, oh man, this is what I did. It doesn't represent me though. I'm different. And, but I had created a work and it did represent me authentically in the moment where I created it. But I carried a lot of shame around that and it felt so strong. It was like paralyzing. Uh, you know, for me, intense shame, it's a very physiological thing. I can feel it tingling in my extremities. I can feel its bitter, acrid effect on my tongue. Um, it's, it's a real intense thing. And I just felt that and carried that around this for many years. And yeah, it was kind of a paralyzing type of shame. And a part of me looked at that experience and that, that creation that I'd made, and it just wanted to disown it. It just wanted to disassociate from it. It just wished it would go away. And 
The problem is with the past, it doesn't usually just go away. Just and, and a book is a funny manifestation because it actually is like a material thing. Thousands of people were reading this book. It was circulating. It was it was out. It was a thing. And so even when you don't write a book and you're just ashamed of something that you've you know a life of a life experience you've had um the past is never past as they say right we carry it on inside of ourselves emotionally psychologically energetically and um yeah as much as i wanted to disown this maybe the more i wanted to disown it the more there was this shame response so really the more alive it was in me in in a shame in a in a shame spiral you know not the book itself but this this shame reaction that it triggered in me and the things that have helped with that uh, noticing this intense shame and i know that some people make the distinction some psychologists and academics make the distinction between healthy shame and unhealthy shame and some people make it that distinction the distinction between guilt and shame and healthy shame or guilt is related to a specific incident where someone has acted in a way that they feel is out of integrity and they have an emotional response that is like an alarm bell that says hey 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 um i think we might have done something out of integrity we need to feel this accountability and learn and grow and we can build character through this and in that way shame or guilt is a very healthy thing it's very natural and to not have that might make someone a sociopath because they wouldn't feel any sense of accountability or it would just be purely intellectual um but to feel it emotionally is a very human and sacred thing toxic shame on the other hand is not related to a specific incident it's just this kind of overarching feeling of being a piece of shit and that and those two things can coalesce they can cross-pollinate i think with my book story that i'm telling there was a cross-pollination there was certain things in that book that upon when i like stepped back i thought to myself damn I think there was a few things in there that were out of integrity, and that hurts. That fucking burns. Um, but the the lord of toxic shame in me had taken that and kind of spun it with its wizardry into something very, very all-consuming and um, just this sense of being a complete fuck-up. And... Uh, yeah, just this really toxic, poisonous, emotional baggage to carry around. And um, one of the things that I have found very helpful in, in excavating this specific shame and just shame in general is um, sharing openly and sharing openly with trustworthy people. And I have to emphasize trustworthy because sharing with people who are judgmental or who are really entrenched in their own unhealthy shame cycle well they may just judge us and if we're sharing something really raw and vulnerable and surrounded in shame and intensity and someone judges us we're probably going to want to crawl back into that cave of shame and just hate ourselves worse 
But if we share it with someone who is kind, compassionate, humble, understanding, capable of just listening and and holding complex things with a light heart, then our sharing can be fucking phenomenal. I know that for me, sharing shameful things with people who are open-hearted and kind and empathetic and compassionate and understanding, sometimes I'll share something that I have a ton of shame about, and they'll just be like, that's it? That's the thing you have shame about? What the fuck? You should listen to what I've got shame about. And then they share, and I'm like, what, that's it? That's the thing that you're ashamed of? And, and what happens is, this isn't always the case, but for me, sometimes what happens is, when we're in our shame, it's basically like a hallucinogen that changes how we see our past and changes the severity that we see our mistakes with. And when we, we share the things that we're ashamed about with someone who's safe, they don't see it. They're not on that drug, so they can see it more clearly. And they can say, you know, yeah, I guess you made a mess up there, but your, the level of intensity that you're burning in around it does not match. You know, and by having those open conversations, you can have someone hold a a different reality and often a clearer reality because they're not in the emotional triggering that we are. And you go and share with one person and then another and then another. And it's like, whoa, I'm calming down now because I might not be the demon I thought I was. I might just be human, and I might just make mistakes like everyone I love and everyone I know, and they're all, and I love them, and they make mistakes too. So sharing with trustworthy people can be fucking phenomenal, and sometimes the trustworthy person might be a therapist or a counselor that you feel is trustworthy. Sometimes it might just be a friend. The important thing is to find those angels, and they do exist. I am blessed with a few of them in my life. The next thing that I have found helpful is, and this applies kind of to that more guilt or healthy shame when you've actually made a mistake um, or you've acted out of integrity. The second thing is just taking corrective action. You know, if if you've done something, you know, doing something to correct that misstep or that uh, mistake, you know, and a, a great example would be if someone has lied to someone and it's caused a breach of trust for them to repair that through gratuitous honesty. You know, if a relationship has been fractured by dishonesty, one way of repairing that, one way of corrective action, if you're burning in shame about that, you can just be really fucking honest from then on out. Being honest is hard, but it is how trust is built. And if your shame is screaming at you because you, you weren't honest, it's a really straightforward way of answering the call, you know, answering the message. Um, with the book story I was talking about, um, the corrective action came through a lot of contemplation, 
a lot of understanding. And eventually I wrote a new book. You know, a decade basically later, I wrote my latest book. And in a sense, that book is uh, a product of the lessons I learned. You know, it's, it's the next step. I learned all these lessons by writing something. And of course, it's, it has imperfections. And I felt such an intense burn as a result of that um, that I really sat with. And I learned from that. And the book that I wrote, um, well, if one of the things that I felt so ashamed about with that first book was me speaking, you know, making bold declarative statements about things I didn't really understand or were outside of my frame of reference. My new book is just purely experiential. It just relates in experience. It's just honest. It's quite naked. It's a book about vulnerability, and it is very vulnerable. Um, and, of course, it has imperfections, too, um, as, as will anything that I create. But um, when that inner critic voice comes up and it's beating me down for writing something that contained, you know, the, the book 10 years ago that had those imperfections and those, um, those flaws... I do have a corrective action to show it, you know? I just have that to show myself, like, hey, yo, we're learning here, you know? And it's a process, and we're still learning, but yo, we are taking note of things we can do better, and we're doing it, and we're taking care of business. Of course, this step, corrective action, is one that some people can get caught up in in an unhealthy and toxic way and get swept up into this kind of shame-fueled redemption spiral. Um, but in many cases, taking a corrective action when we're feeling ashamed or guilty or, you know, feel that we've acted out of integrity, it, it can be just very straightforward and beautiful and sacred. The, the third and last thing that I have found helpful that I wanted to mention today is um, what I will call finding the innocence. And in the context of the book story that I'm saying, when I was in the depths of my shame spiral, I, um, I, um, I basically completely lost sight of the innocence of myself in that creative process and of the book that I created. Um, I was so painfully stewing in this sense that I had messed up and I was so obsessed with the ways that I lost sight of the core innocence underneath all of it. And finding that innocence can be as simple as saying with that book, like, did I speak or write in ways that were arrogant and unkind and beyond my frame of understanding and that were laced with my own emotional wounds and projections? Absolutely. I totally did that. And is there an innocence underneath that? 
Oh, 100% there was. There was absolutely an innocence underneath all of that. And the book itself, for an author, at least for me, a book is like a baby. And if I had had a baby during that point in my life, in my mid-twenties, there was a lot of unexamined emotional stuff going on in me that that baby would have absorbed. And uh, the baby still would have been sacred, obviously. And I, I, um, from that innocence perspective, that's how I see the book. It's filled with the, the colorful, sometimes crazy and crazy-making emotional projections and wounds and passion and inspiration and ideology that was in me at that point in my life. And like a baby, it still has an innocence at its core. And um, I think that even though I'm talking about a very personal and unique um, situation or experience, I think that for most of us, if we can look at um, you know, past experiences or choices that we carry a lot of intense shame around and just seek that seek that innocence um it can be very very softening and calming to the incessant shame and self-loathing and criticism for example if somebody has a lot of shame around a past relationship that uh that was harmful the question could be um did I, did I choose a relationship that I knew was going to hurt me? Yes. Was there an innocence underneath that choice? Yeah. There's usually an innocence underneath all of our choices. Sometimes it takes some digging to find it. It is worthwhile to dig. You're digging for gold when you're seeking that innocence. And for me, what that does is it makes it possible to look at the complexity of a past situation in a way that's more lighthearted. I can still see the mistakes I've made in the past and take accountability for them, but I'm not in the paralysis of toxic shame. Toxic shame can be paralyzing, and therefore, it doesn't actually help one have the cognitive and emotional resources to take responsibility, to make amends. But if you can hold it in a more resourced way, with a lighter heart, um, it's, it's actually more practical. It's more strong and it's more capable of taking responsibility, in my experience at least. Um, Yeah, finding the innocence. Oof, that's good. That's good. (laughs) It feels good. As much as stewing and simmering in toxic shame feels not so hot. Um, I think that's all for today. that is obviously just one, one person's 
little glimpse into the labyrinth of shame. A very tricky labyrinth to navigate. Um, but yeah, that's my experience, and I don't pretend to fully understand it, but I hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, do consider giving this uh, this uh, a like or a rating wherever you're listening or watching this. Um, and uh, if you're interested in the book that I was talking about, my new book, How to Open the Heart, is um, available. There is a link to it in the comments or in the description or in the notes, some, something like that. <laughs> so, um, my mind is coming undone, I guess. The audiobook version of How to Open the Heart is also available. Again, link below in the, uh, in the notes or in the description. Um, until next time, have a beautiful week.